Just to say a couple of, couple of things to, to highlight, um, it was wonderful, those of us who were able to gather on Cal's Green on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, uh, some of you may not even have realised there was a baptism, there was a young, young man who came into our meeting last week called Jonas with his friends and he stayed afterwards, he's a man who very recently discovered Christ through Google, uh, it's an incredible story, uh, sometimes people get desperate, where do they turn these days? They turn to Google, so we need to think, we shouldn't be utterly dismissive of social media is what I'm trying to say, we'll come back to that. But he found himself praying a prayer, prayer of salvation, um, but didn't really understand much of it, and then has found a Christian who explained some of it, and then found his way, he was pointed by the Baptist church to us, so uh, bless, bless the guys there, <laughs> they sent him this way. And there he was in the queue, and who's he standing next to? Greg. <laughs> and uh, and Greg, Greg showed him more of the way of the Lord, I think, really, in terms of being filled with God's Spirit and life in Christ. And Greg said, look, I'm here for a couple of days. Do you know about baptism? And he said, yeah, I do. He said, there's this Ethiopian in the book of Acts, isn't there? He, he, he stops and he says, look, here's water. What's to stop me being baptized? He said, we've got plenty of water. And so on Wednesday, uh, he was baptized, and it was just such a joy, and there's something so nat- supernaturally natural about the time. Uh, he was going to share today, but he sent me a note, very apologetic. He's up in London this morning, but he's going to be around, lives here locally in Cowes, working for the NHS. So uh, we'll look forward to welcoming. So if you see a man who walks in looking like Jesus, that's what people say, he's got long hair, he's a lovely guy. Um, do greet him, his name's Jonas. But uh, just on that, to say, um, <coughs> my, my, come on, uh, there we go. Um, we are looking forward to a couple more uh, baptisms um, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time. Friday the 7th of July, uh, down at Gurner Green, we're going to have a barbecue together, we're going to baptise. Um, so far, we've got um, David and Jack are going to be baptized, but there may be others who've recently, you've said, I'm following Christ, I've surrendered my life to Christ, and I know that baptism is part of that. In the book of Acts, it says, they, 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 cut, they were cut to the heart at the message of Peter, and they say, what should we do? What should we do? And he said, believe and be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're walking with some of that at the moment, just trying to understand all of those elements. What does it mean to repent and believe, to be baptized um, and to receive the Spirit? So if you'd like to be baptized or you know someone who's thinking about it, please speak to Ashley and myself. Ashley and Hannah are away this weekend. Ashley's one of Greg's trustees, Kingfisher Ministries, and they're having a meeting together. So we need to pray for them. It's great to be able to serve uh, Greg and Tammy in that way. So um, just on uh, Gurner Green and the, and the barbecues, Jackie and I over the years, recent years, have done a number of barbecues. Many of you have gathered, and we've, just, uh, we've supplied some very simple burgers and sausages, and others have brought things along. Anyway, just to say this coming uh, Friday, we're going to have another one of those about six o'clock down at Gurner Green, unless it's pouring with rain, you never know. <laughs> after today um, but uh, we'll be there but all are welcome feel free to bring other bits to add in feel free to bring neighbours friends uh, it's a good opportunity so just to remind you of that also just to say this evening once a month we gather for prayer this evening we will be praying I'm hoping to show a video if John can 
help me to uh, work out how to show it to you if he's not here later. But I'm hoping to show a video from Steve Oliver and Fusi McQuenna. Steve and Fusi, very much senior leaders in our family, our network of churches. And there's just a simple little interview of what God's doing around the world. And I thought it would be a great thing to share for us to see and uh, to pray into. But I think there's other things that are happening at the moment that we want to be praying for as well. Um, just uh, not least of which I want to mention, this is not going to be for everyone I realise, but Wednesday the 21st, so next Wednesday, that is next Wednesday, isn't it? Not this Wednesday, yeah, next Wednesday. Um, there's a group of people from the south of England regions beyond churches who are going to go up onto Portsdown Hill and just to pray over Portsmouth. We're very much part of a family of churches that are planting churches and we want to keep doing that, keep planting where God leads and the church at Worthing very much feeling that prompting towards Portsmouth but Littlehampton and ourselves are, are with them as south coast uh, locals as it were so we'd love, I'd love a car full of us so either two or three of us will go over on the fast cat or maybe a car of us on the ferry and we'll find our way, they'll give us a lift if we need it up to Portsdown um, Hill and we're going to pray just for an hour or two, one of the longest evenings of the year. So that will be good. So just to keep that in your, your mind. Um, just to say uh, that weekend of the baptism in July 7th, 8th, 9th, uh, Tony and Tina Hall uh, from Orpington uh, are going to be with us. Tony very much now leads the UK team of Regions Beyond that I've been mentioning this morning. And Tony will be with us for the whole weekend. It'll be great to have him with us. He's the kind of person, uh, very friendly, very open-hearted. Uh, <clears throat> I trust him totally. I uh, trust the team that, that helps to lead us very much. And uh, so Tony's coming for the whole weekend. If there are things that you've got concerns about Ashley and I, you can talk to Tony. And I'm only half joking. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to talk to someone who's very much a, a father in the UK for us and helping us. But he, he will be around. He'll be at the barbecue, the baptism. Um, but also, so what we're going to do is we're going to have our church lunch. We'll be all together uh, that Sunday, the 9th, as opposed to the week before. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be all together. Just another opportunity to be family, to, to meet uh, with Tony and with Tina. And their, one of their sons, I think, is going to be with us. So what I've done there is basically gone all the way through the weekly news sheet. So <laughs> um, if you don't currently get the weekly news, please speak to Sue or Mike. I don't think Sue's here at the minute, is she? But Mike, Mike will take your name. Um, Oh, she's at Kingfisher Ministry. See, see, this is what Greg does. He comes along and he, yes, she's a minute. She's now his PA. He does need one. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's good. Okay. <coughs> good. I'm going to leave it there. <coughs> oh, dear. This rain is supposed to dampen the dust. Is it working? I'm not sure. <coughs> good. Well, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians working our way through in different ways. I did say at the beginning we might dive around a bit. We wouldn't go necessarily verse by verse or chapter by chapter, but just pulling out numbers of things using 1 Corinthians as a core text. A couple of weeks ago, Greg led us through chapter 2, speaking on life in the Spirit. And I would encourage you, uh, if you missed that, 
Um, all of our, our talks are normally uh, either on our, our YouTube page, The Apex Church. Um, you can find uh, YouTube, The Apex Church, or on SoundCloud uh, generally, aren't they, Chris? Although Chris, Chris could do with help. Um, because since uh, Glenn, Glenn's passing, uh, we're a bit thin on the ground with our tech support. So uh, um, that is something that we really need to, to get sorted. So we're aware of that and thinking about that. Um, but Greg spoke on, uh, from chapter 2 on life in the spirit. And then a week or two before that, I spoke from chapter 16 on the importance of worship and surrender through the giving of our finances. Um, and again, just want to highlight, if you're a visitor or you're starting to be regular here, um, we do have an electronic dab box, a sum-up box there at the back that you can use. Mike is, uh, is demonstrating it. Careful, don't break it. There we are. It's there. There it is. We need to put a big poster, all right? But you can put any amount into that and you can give through that way. Um, there is also gift aid and standing order forms that are there and there's a box for cash. But... Uh, most of us don't have cash anymore these days. But and, of course, you can give online in all sorts of ways. But we were talking about our worship and our, the surrender of the whole of our lives, uh, and particularly through that, through our giving of our finances. Over the next two or three weeks, I want us just to take a bit of a walk through chapters 11 to 14, very famous chapters in, in 1 Corinthians. There's loads in there. I just looked at the NIV headings for chapters 11 to 14, uh, and it says this, the Lord's Supper, spiritual gifts, one body, many parts, love, gifts of prophecy and tongues, orderly worship. Okay, we're going to do that over the next couple of weeks. So there's lots there to be looking at. But I've been praying and thinking all week what, where, where did the Holy Spirit want me to focus? And I, I just, I found myself just saying, Lord, I need you just to show me. And one of the verses within these chapters, these great chapters, kept coming back to me. Hopefully John will be able to help us with this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. This is the key phrase. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done so that the church must be built up. Now, I, I went and had a look at other translations. And uh, here we get different translations of that phrase. For the strengthening of the church. Everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Let all things be done for building up. You must do everything for the good of everyone. Surely here is a key description of local church life. This is what local church life looks like. When visitors are coming in, people are coming in, what is it that we're wanting them to see? What is it that Paul is saying should be seen in the local church? that you're participating. I'm not going to dig into all of those bits of participating today. I'm going to talk about one particular area. But you're participating, but you're building up. You're strengthening. You're encouraging. The church is to be built up. So what are we looking for? We're looking for one another to be built up. 
So we come alongside. There shouldn't be those who say, I feel isolated on my own. We want people to be saying, I feel built up. I feel encouraged. And so that's, that's something for all of us. This is surely a key test for everything we do, everything that we are involved in. In chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 7, he talks about the manifestation of the Spirit, the, the gifts of the working of the Spirit being given for the common good. This is not just a special bit of power <clears throat> for an isolated individual. This is for the common good. These are the kind of phrases that come through uh, the whole of these uh, chapters in this letter. Of course, in chapter 14, he famously encourages, and we'll look at this potentially next week, everyone to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because everyone who prophesies speaks to men and women for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So these, these are the things that Paul is saying, is that we are a body that are building, strengthening, and encouraging. I want to come back to particularly to the gift of prophecy uh, on another time. But we are here for one another, to strengthen and build up each other, and this is for all of us. It's not just one or two special ones, one or two, oh, well, they do the building, they do the strengthening, they do the encouraging. No, this is, this is for all of us. Right through this whole letter, Paul is constantly challenging selfishness. He's bringing them back to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. He's challenging them. It's right the way through, and we've talked about this a bit before, but he's challenging selfishness. He's bringing them back to the matter of the heart. Chapter 12, verse 27, he says, You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Each one of you, every single one. And there's that whole section, isn't there, about whether you're a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear. Each one of you has a part. So I'm giving you a little bit of an overview of these uh, three or four chapters. And then I, I want to focus in, hone in for some moments. Thing is, chapter 12, verse 25, he says there should be no division in the body. We've already discovered that in this church at Corinth, it had been deeply impacted by division. It's quite clear there were many factions and fractions. <laughs> there were divisions over style, philosophy, ways of thinking about the world, ways of thinking about church. There were divisions over doctrine, over leadership, over sexual ethics, over litigation, taking each other to court. Food that was given to idols. Divisions over all sorts of things. So it perhaps should be no surprise that they're also in disarray and division about the way that they're doing church together. So he begins to teach in what it, what it looks like to be church and to do church, to be the body. And at the very least, we shouldn't be surprised that they're divided over how to gather at the Lord's table. And it's really quite challenging how he writes to them. I want you to imagine for a moment, I mentioned Steve Oliver. He's very much a father in our family of churches. And he, he writes us a letter. 
And partway through this letter, he says this. Now, regarding the next set of instructions, I have no praise for you. <clears throat> Your meetings do more harm than good. <laughs> you imagine Steve writing to us and saying, Apex Church, your meetings do more harm than good. Ouch. It's almost, it's this strong stuff. It's almost like he's saying, seriously, you lot would have done more good if you'd have stayed at home and not met together. <laughs> What's going on? What's he talking about? He's talking about the practice of the Lord's Supper of communion. Clearly, there's some serious errors at Corinth. But he also wants to show how serious breaking of bread is. This is about the body and the blood of Christ. We're treading on holy ground. One commentator that I read said this, They are divided over many things, so it's no great surprise they're divided over the Lord's table as well. But in this case, division completely changes the nature of what they are doing. It's not that they're celebrating the Lord's Supper deficiently, it's that they're making the center of Christian union, or Christian unity, a source of division. They're not really eating the Lord's Supper at all. They've taken this ultimate act of self-giving that we were wonderfully being led in worship about today, declaring, this is Jesus dying for us. They've taken this ultimate act of self-giving and they've made it into an act of self-serving. Supposed to be a communal meal. Back in Christ's time, you know that at Last Supper, he sat down and there would have been a meal spread. We don't need to have a meal, but that's the context. It's a, it's a context of community meal. It's a, it's a context of coming together. But this is not just a sort, of a, uh, a sort of a very social, casual, light snack. This is a, a meal with focus. Everyone is united around the table. Everyone demonstrating the same need for grace, whoever you are. Whatever your background, you just wonderful, wasn't it, to hear Cush's testimony there? Seven, eight, eight years. And, you know, this is how I was. And some of you might say, goodness, I, I wasn't like that. That wasn't my background. But no, you were in a different place, a different situation. But all coming together around this table. So what is going on? Well, I thought it'd be great. Let's just read the message version of chapter 11, verses 20 to 21. You come together, and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourselves. Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out, too drunk to walk. I don't believe it. Don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Why would you actually shame the poor? I never would have believed you would stoop to this. And I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. That's the message version. Uh, but you can read it in the version that you may have, and it pretty much says the same thing. As we've said, in many churches there would be a mixture of people. In this case, actually, what seems to be being described is that you have those who are rich very much can pretty much afford to eat and drink what they like. And then you have the, the poor, the, the poorer, perhaps the middle class and the poorer class. 
probably many of them servants who've been saved in the household, but they're servants to the rich folk. But they're still back at home sorting and cleaning and clearing up. They are not able to get to church at the same time. You might think of shift workers today. By the time they get there, so people bring this meal, they've got it all there, the Lord's told us to do this, so we're doing it. They just get on, and by the time they get there, there's nothing left. But what's even worse, those who've gone ahead have overeaten and have even got drunk. It's not surprising Paul is going to have some words to say. Three practical points, just very quickly. Three things just to highlight here in what he's sharing about this. First is this. Verse 18, the Eucharist, which is another word for this meal. Those of you more from an Anglican background will probably be much more aware of that phrase. The Eucharist is shared. It's a shared thing. When you come together as a church. In fact, he mentions it five times. 17, 18, 20, 33, and 34. When you come together, it's a corporate act for the church as they gather. It's not private and individual taken in isolation from others. So I hope this is not too controversial, but just I would say just as you can't baptize yourself, you can't take communion on your own. It was a big debate over this. Some of you remember three years ago, particularly during lockdown, some churches were saying, no, we can't take communion now because we're on our own. We're isolated. Others were saying, well, let's find ways of coming together, being family, sharing across the screen uh, as and when we were allowed to with distancing. Let's go and knock on one another's doors and, and be in the garden and share communion. But Even that, this whole debate is because it's not an isolated individual thing. Common union. Common union. Co-munion. With others. Okay, so you you can't take communion. It's one of the reasons why we, we love the fact that people are able to watch many of our sermons and our talks online. But we always want to say, come together as a body. You are the body of Christ. When you're not here, part of the body is missing. And so we come together. And certainly as we take communion, we do that publicly, physically, together. Secondly, they were clearly drinking wine here. Not non-alcoholic grape juice. And certainly enough wine was around for them to get drunk. Now, I'm of a conviction, and others might hold a slightly different position, but I'm of a conviction this is not particularly a spiritual thing. It's more practical. Uh, Water was not clean as it is now. Wine would have been seen as as the regular thing that many would have drunk in order to get fluid in. Uh, People have debated what the strength of that wine would have been. Well, Scripture seems to give an indication it wasn't that weak. The thing I would say is that grape juice, which we use, and many, many hundreds, thousands of churches like ours do, gives access to communion for all those whom alcohol is something they need to avoid for whatever reason. And for that reason, I believe that's why we have Great juice. 
and, and we make it available to others. Others may think differently. Uh, you could talk to them about that. But the Corinthians certainly seem to have wine. Thirdly, there is clearly a number of different words that Paul uses for this meal. Communion. We know that one. We're familiar with that. Common union. The Lord's table. Uh, that's certainly some of us who are from some backgrounds will have heard that phrase, know that phrase. Eucharist, I've already mentioned. Eucharisto means, I discovered, I'm not sure I ever knew this, to give thanks. I said to Steve that uh, in a minute when we come to take communion, let's, let's sing a song of thanksgiving as we, as we enter into communion. Let's give thanks, Eucharist. Uh, the Lord's Supper and the one from my childhood that I grew up with, the breaking of bread. That's how I knew it, the breaking of bread. And by the way, it was always at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But that's another story. You can ask me about that one. Um, (laughs) Different ones of us probably used to different ones of these. The reality is that each of these terms communicates something different about the significance, even we might say the beauty of this meal. So perhaps we should use all of them from time to time. Don't be afraid to say, it's the Lord's table, it's the Lord's supper, it's communion, it's Eucharist, it's the breaking of bread. We can use all of them. And then Paul gives this very clear and rich set of sentences. It's so dense, so narrow. One commentator said, it's such a clear description and it's inside a hundred words, depending on which version you look at. Very famous 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Then he continues with some verses, 27 to 30. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And then he speaks to them very directly. He says, that's why many among you are weak and ill, and then some of you have even fallen asleep. You've died. It's very serious in that sense. Although it's also joyful. I want to give you very, very quickly five actions. Don't panic. These are not five great long elongated points, all right? Five actions that I think are really good, even important for us to consider every time we take communion. So whether it's in your life group context, please do uh, make sure that you have communion, share communion in life group with your family, uh, but certainly uh, in the life of the church. And there are these phrases, and they all begin with the word look. Okay, look up, look back, look forward, look within, look around. Look up, look back, look forward, look 
within look around. We look up in gratitude. Jesus even took bread. Speaking about himself, he's going to be broken. But he's giving thanks to the Father. He's giving thanks to the Father. We give thanks, Eucharisto, we've just heard this, for the gift of bread and wine representing the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. We give thanks. We start by giving thanks. We look back in remembrance. So we look up, we look back. Jesus' body given for you, his blood that brought us into this new covenant. We look back, we give thanks for that moment, that day, on the cross. We look back. We look forward. We also look forward to the coming kingdom in its fullness. Greg was talking a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he, about the kingdom that has come, the kingdom that is coming, and the kingdom that, that, that will come. And there are signs of that kingdom right now. We thank God for testimony that we're hearing. People being healed. People being set free. People, uh, people being saved, baptized. So, but we're looking forward to a coming day. Amen? We're looking forward, prophetically proclaiming the day when Jesus will return and we will share new bread, new wine in the Father's kingdom. So we look back. Uh, we look up, we look back, we look forwards. And then I just want to take a moment with this next one. We also look within. Now, of course, the context here that Paul is very specifically challenging them is because of how they were, their attitudes and, and what, they, what they were. This is a different context for us. But there's a truth here that he's bringing through. He's getting them to consider and look, how are they thinking about the Lord's Supper? What are, they, what are they coming to? Are they coming to a bun fight? Are they coming to a, a social time of food and drink? Are they coming to the Lord's table? They're coming to this place of common union. And so... For each one of us, we might say, oh, well, that's not us. We're not the Corinthians. That's not how we are. No. But for each one of us, we're called, I believe, as we come to the Lord's table, to look within. There is a call to repentance and warning of judgment. I don't think that warning is just for the Corinthians. Now, you might want to debate with me and discuss in another place whether the Lord uh, takes people to himself early because of their sin. That's a technical and, and, and interesting set of scriptures to really think about. But there's enough there that is about warning and judgment. This is not to be seen as a light-hearted social pint and packet of crisps. Something to be flippant about. The question we need to ask is whether it's being done in an unworthy manner. Now that can mean different things for different ones of us. Whether it's like the Corinthians, just really not discerning the body of Christ. Just not even recognizing who they are and what is before them. They've just dismissed it. It's just a meal where we get to have a laugh and, and eat and drink. Not discerning the body of Christ. Or it may be any other form of unrepentant sin. 
We may recognize that there are battles and struggles in our lives, but are we bringing them to the Lord or are we dismissing them and saying, no, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm not, I'm not repentant. I'm not turning. The result of either or any of these things is that we are guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Sounds serious. And it is. So, before coming to the table, he says, everyone ought to examine themselves. I want to say something to us. This is a grace moment. This is not a call to be perfect. Paul is saying, I'm not asking you to be perfect. Otherwise, I certainly wouldn't be coming to communion. <laughs> and I don't think if any of us are real, any of us would. This challenge for self-examination is not to exclude those who have sinned. But it's, it's aimed at excluding those who don't care whether or not they have sinned. The unrepentant, the proud. Those who eat and drink without discerning the body and blood of Christ. As a leader in the local church, there have been occasions by God's grace. I thank him there have not been very many, but there have been occasions uh, in church life, in church leadership, where I've had to speak to someone because their life, their actions, their speech, their, their way of walking is away from the Lord. They are unrepentant. They're not recognizing the body and blood of Christ. They, they are happy in their sin. They are not willing to acknowledge that they're in sin. They would say they're a believer, but they're not acknowledging. And I or other leaders have had to say to them, this is not a moment to take communion. It's not a moment. You need to step aside from communion because you're unrepentant. Now this, this is for those who are saying, I know my sin, but Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again and he's forgiven my sin. Lord, help me as I choose again to walk your way. I'm not speaking about those, but there is a seriousness about this. I came across these wonderful words. We're coming to communion in just a moment. Wonderful words from the Heidelberg Catechism. Series of questions. I think the Hoods will know about the Heidelberg Catechism. I could maybe even ask them the, the series. I won't. I don't know. I won't put you on the spot. <laughs> I know Ashley loves asking the kids various questions. But question 81. Wonderful. I love this. We should perhaps do this quite regularly. Who should come to the Lord's table? Who should come to the Lord's table? Question 81. Answer. I love this. Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and the death of Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. I love that. I love that. That. You say, Mark, isn't that sad that there might be some in church even, but they're unrepentant. I want to say to you today, brother, sister, there are things in your life and you're saying, no, I'm not bringing that to God. I'm unrepentant. I want to say, examine yourself before the Lord today. Before we come and take communion together, together, come to him, the one who loves to forgive, 
Confess your sin and he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and heal you from all unrighteousness. Today, you can come to the table, but come displeased with yourself because of sin, but trusting that your sins have been pardoned and that your remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ. I love that phrase. Don't we feel weak at times? Don't we feel there are areas we're battling with, maybe in our thought life, maybe other areas? Trusting is covered. Lord, I bring it to you. So communion is for repentant believers. What a great phrase, yeah? Communion is for repentant believers. And so one of the things we will do and we will say is that everyone is welcome here. Everyone is welcome But those who are not repentant or are not yet believers, who have not yet uh, understood what it is to surrender their life to Jesus and seek to follow him with his help and his strength, this meal is not for them. They shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. They're welcome to be here. You are welcome to be here. But that is not for them, lest they eat and drink judgment on themselves. I don't want to get too much into this, but I've had quite a debate and discussion over the years about children. One of the things I love about children taking communion, I myself took the Lord's Supper, breaking of bread from a very early age, is that mum and dad would chat to me and talk to me about it and tell me about it, and, and, and I would take communion because of a, an understanding so I don't have a, a problem with that. And you sometimes say, well, what about people who are taking, taking communion but they've not understood? For me, there's just a bit of juice and bread. But right now today, and each time we share communion, I want to be able to say, if you are unrepentant or you're not yet a believer, this meal is not for you. So you can't say that I didn't tell you. That's, that's the difference. So that's where we're at. So that then leads us to the last one, which is look around. Look around at the rest of the body. Look around. These are all people that Jesus died for. Just again to, to mention Kush. I came from a Muslim background. It was another God. It was another culture, another setting. I'm now a follower of Christ. For a different one, I, I was an orphan. I was far away from God. I was broken, I was addicted. There were different stories across the room. I grew up in a, in a regular family, but I didn't know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And so we look around, all of us are those whom Jesus has died for. He's died for all of us, amen? Each one of us are invited to be in the body here on earth, the body called the, the, the church. As Paul says in one of those chapters, the body in which we are one, even though we are many. That's why we share communion together. So I want to say in a moment, uh, as the guys come and lead us, maybe you'd come up and the band would come up. We're going to uh, sing a song of thanksgiving. Um, We're going to take communion. The Lord's table is a place where we can build, strengthen and encourage each other. So I want to say to you, look around and make sure that there's no one on their own. Now, it may be that not everyone is taking communion today. That's fine. Based on the things I've said, you may be processing that, thinking that through. That's fine. But you still shouldn't be on your own. 
All right, we want to be together. If you want to talk with somebody about what you've heard, if you want to pray and say, I want to receive Christ, then do that and then take communion. Okay? So I'd love these guys to be involved in doing that. They can either do that with themselves together or with the family. But the Lord's table is the place where we build, strengthen and encourage. As each of us come together, knowing that we have fallen short, but also knowing that we've been forgiven individually and we've been called corporately into the family of God, Jesus our Saviour and Brother, the person of the Holy Spirit living within us. And the Holy Spirit, who we'll come back to again and again, why do we so often speak about him? Because he reveals the Son and the Father to us. So that's why we're asking the Holy Spirit to fill us, that we might know and understand, that we might not be an unrepentant people, that we might live in this grace. Amen? So these guys, let's stand, let's give thanks. Uh, And then what I want you to do, as we're singing, you can begin to take, uh, there's communion at the back on the table. Please just go and, and take one of those, and when we've got that, we'll take communion together. Lord, we will never understand what it meant for you, the Holy One, the sinless Son of God, to be betrayed, let alone go to the cross. And yet your word says, for the joy that was set before you, the joy of seeing Jonas being baptised, of seeing Cush come to Christ, seeing each one of us for the joy that was set before you, that each one of us might know sin forgiven, might know life restored, hope given, healing, deliverance, being set free for the joy that was set before you. You endured the cross, scorning its shame. So, Lord, we remember. As we give thanks, we remember. We remember. But, Lord, we also look forward because we also know that there's an empty cross and an empty tomb. (laughs) Lord, we thank you. We thank you. And so we look forward with faith and we look forward with hope Lord, we take a moment, some of us will have been already doing that, we take a moment to look within. We say, Lord, is there anything within me that I'm holding out on you? Is there anything that I'm refusing to ask your forgiveness? I'm unrepentant. Holy Spirit, come and deal gently with me, but convict me and show me. Maybe even someone here, you'd say, I'm not sure that I've allowed, made, invited Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour. And I turn to him right now. You can do that right now. I turn to you. I don't have all the answers. I've still got questions. I've got doubts. But I come to you as my Lord and Saviour who died for me. I believe you died. Forgive me today. Bring me into new life through the power of your Spirit. 
that's you today, I, I want to say to you, take communion as you give thanks. Let's bring, we confess our sin. And we look around now as we share communion together. We share it with one another. We look around. We look to one another. We say, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. You are part of it. So let's make sure that nobody's on their own. Let's turn to one another. Let's give thanks and let's share communion together. Just as we finish, um, just uh, love the way God speaks. And Bernice is from a, another uh, New Frontiers family church. We're part of a wider family of churches. But she just felt, she just shared with me a picture. Les, you'll love this picture. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just hear what she's got to say. And I think it's a great way to send us out. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> So the picture that I had was this church and the building was actually filled to the roof with food. And the encouragement was to say, take that food because God wants to open your eyes to the people out there that might look fine, but actually they're starving and they're in rags and they need this. And you might sit there and think, but I can't do that. Actually, this is for every single person here because every single person could pick up a box, a small box, and take it and give it to someone else, yeah? That's what God's asking you to do. And if you remember um, the child in the Bible when they were saying, we don't have any food at the feeding of the 5,000, and he said, well, I've got my barley loaves and my fishes. Bring what you have and let God do the work because it's the Holy Spirit that will do the work. Yes, not you. Just be willing and just bring what you have. Brilliant. God bless you. Wonderful, wonderful. Hands if you feel uh, comfortable with that. Maybe it's a small parcel as, uh, as um, Bernice just said. What do you have? Well, we have, we, we've preached on it, haven't we? We've only, we've only got <laughs> five loaves. But when we give it to the Lord, he multiplies it. And so as we fed on him by faith today, Lord, would you place in our hands today truth and life and hope as we go out into the community, into the workplace, into our neighbourhoods, on the bus, down the street, at the school gates, Father, I pray that as we have been fed, we might be a blessing to our community, blessing to those around us, blessing to this island, even to the big old North Island if some of us have to travel this week. Lord, we, we pray. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us. Would you help us to be a blessing? In Jesus' name, amen. amen.